Hey, welcome back to um, Writing is Hard Work. I'm Roger Colby. Um, today, I have uh, another indie writer on the uh, on the show, Ian. And Ian, you're going to have to pronounce your last name, dude. It's French. And, uh, yes. The guys from Louisiana get this awesome French name. Tell me your name. So it's called uh, Primo. 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 Yep. Which is like, dude, that's like the best <laughs> That's like the best name, dude. That's that's the best name. That, that's even better than a friend of mine. His name is his name is Mike McCool. Like, <laughs> it's like everybody loves the guy that has the cool name. So Primo, um, yeah. Ian, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself first, um, and uh, tell me about your book. You've got this book, and I love it. Just tell me the name, the title of the book, and then give me a little premise. But first, tell me a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, uh, I'm 25. I'm from southern Louisiana. I started writing back probably my sophomore year of high school, uh, really just for classes and projects and things like that. But um, any chance I got in a class to have my assignment be written, whether it was just a script or an essay or anything like that, that was the, I immediately picked that. Just because for me, the easiest thing to do was to just write something. Most of them were like thousand word essays, like thousand word minimum essays that I'd take and do like three or 4,000 words just because I, I had the time to do it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've always just kind of liked to write. Whenever... I graduated high school and I didn't have any projects or anything like that, that would kind of take up that time. And that's when I started just writing short stories and anything that I could think of that I thought would like sound cool just to write. I would do that. I kept in touch with a lot of teachers just to kind of send them the stuff that I was writing, just to kind of still get feedback on what I needed to do better, what to work on all that. But that eventually led me to try to write an actual book, mm -hmm. um, which took me about three years from start to finish to actually publishing it. Mm -hmm. Just because it was kind of difficult to stay on it. Mm -hmm. um, I was at a point where I was trying to like move up in life. I was moving out of my parents' house. I was getting a real job. Just a lot of things that were kind of getting in the way of that. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, well, the book is called Emmy. It's been out since September last year. Uh, it's about a little girl who, while wandering through her house, drops her teddy bear down this chest. And she goes in to get it and ends up falling down into the chest and gets teleported to this odd fantasy world. And while she's there, she gets attacked by monsters and her teddy bear is now sentient. It's eight feet tall and it comes in, and it saves her. And the teddy bear is now at this point kind of like protecting her while she's in this world. And she goes on a little adventure. She starts finding clues that kind of gets her more involved in things that are going on. And it's just a, it's a big fantasy journey that I'm turning into a series. Wow, man. You know, uh, I re I read that premise and, uh, you know, the blurb and I just really loved it because it's like, 
it's almost like a Wizard of Oz kind of story, it sounds yep. like. Um, but it's not, and it's very, because uh, I've got three girls, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're all, like, my youngest is a sophomore, and my oldest, she's 19. And I can tell you that that story would be really good with uh, for, for teen girls or preteen girls, um, and boys too. I mean, anybody could read this story because it's like that fantasy uh, wonderment that you have as a kid where you're, you've got like, I've had kids that have had like, you know, you hear about kids having imaginary friends or having their, their teddy bear is like alive. When I was a kid, I had this teddy bear and it, and honestly, it was like a friend almost. I mean, I had a sister four years younger than me, but when I can remember having that teddy bear in my room and it being like, almost like a security blanket kind of thing. And it was really, really small, you know, maybe three or four and, um, have good memories of that thing. And I actually still have it. I'm 50 years old and I have it. It's, it's, uh, it's in a room. I've got in the, I have, I have something I have to have it repaired because nose is falling off and stuff. But yeah, it, I mean, that's that childhood wonderment stuff is such a it makes for such a great story. It's why we have like, uh, you know, where the wild things are and you know, stories like that. that I mean, that's a that's a children's book, but um, but this is like this is like that idea is has been kind of like it's grown up a little bit. You know, so um, I really like that. Um, I shot some questions at you. Um, I usually ask these same questions to every writer that I talk to because here we are, we're, we're indie writers, uh, we're indie publishers, we're um, doing this ourselves, and we all have our own processes, right? Yep. So what is your go-to writing process? I try to have things planned out months or even years in advance. Uh, I have maybe 20 or 30 pages of notes on my phone, just of things that I want to do with the story, characters that I want to get involved and any idea that I come up with that I know I want to use, I'll have it written down for the next four or five books that I plan on writing. Mm -hmm. And then when I actually sit down and do the first draft, I'll do a few chapters, go back, edit those, do some more chapters, and just keep going back. By the time I'm done and ready to publish, I'll edit maybe six or seven times. Yeah. Just because I really want to know word for word everything that's in the book. I don't want to forget anything. Right. I don't want to mess anything up. I don't want there to be any continuity errors uh-huh. from the beginning to the last page. Just yeah. like I know every word in these books by the time I'm ready to publish it. That's a really great process. Um, and, and, you know, you, your process is very meticulous and, um, that's really good. Uh, I, I kind of do uh, a similar process. Um, and I'm using a, I'm, I mean, any of the programs I talk about on this podcast, I am not getting any money from them. <laughs> these are just things that I use. But as far as notes, I use a, a, a program for my, it's an app for my phone. It's called Simple Note. And what Simple Note does is it, it, it um, communicates between your phone and your laptop 
So like my laptop has a copy of Simple Note on it and I can pull up those notes at any time. And then I also use Scrivener as a writing program to like, it was like 50 bucks. It was the best 50 bucks I ever spent. But it basically, and they've got it for like phones and stuff. You can use it on iPhone, you can use it on Mac, you can use it on PC or whatever. But it's all, it's $50 you'll ever pay. Every new update, you don't pay anything else. But uh, Scrivener has that feature where you can do like uh, macros and stuff where you can like set up, um, okay, well, every time I talk about, every time I have this character, it notes character names. Mm -hmm. So it like picks up like, okay, I can go in and look at the characters and every time that character does anything or anything that character has anything to do with anything, it's always on this one thing. And then there's these arcs that it does where it can tell you like who is with who and which scene. It, and what's that called? It, it's called Scrivener. Scrivener. Yeah, I use it. I use it. It's, it's an amazing program. And it's uh, honestly, um, I've written every book, every book I've written except one, I've written on that. Um, and it was the second book I wrote is when I got Scrivener. And man, it's just, it's changed my life. Plus it does like a thing where it keeps you on task where you can plot mm. out like when you want your book to be done, you know, the rough draft and, uh, and it'll do daily word count. And so you know how many words you have to get done today in order to stay on track to get done when you want to get done. Um, yeah, I, I can't say enough about it. But um, it's funny because the guy I talked to on the last podcast, uh, Eric Buchanan, he was talking about um, this trick he did when editor, it's an editor trick. And what it is is like if you have a part in your book where you're writing it and you have uh, you, you don't know what else you're going to do with this. You're going to research it. Maybe you want to think about this scene or something. He puts TK period. And he said it's one thing in the English language that doesn't, doesn't occur anywhere. And so all you got to do is search up TK period in all your book <laughs> and all the instances, and you'll find all those spots in there that you need to work on. And I was like, man, that's just brilliant. I got yeah. <laughs> everybody. Um, okay, cool. So I love your writing process. It's uh, it's very um, it's it is unique. But um, there there are people that I've talked to people that do that. Um, so the next thing, um, let's see here. I'm gonna go to the questions. Excuse me. I'm 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 scrambling. I'm scrambling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scrambling. Oh yeah. Um, So yeah, okay. So what you say you're working on a series? We talked a little bit about that. Um, what's your What's your advice about creating compelling? What are some like compelling stories? So what are three things that every good story has to have? You think? So I feel like the main characters in the story, overall, whether it's just one book or the entire series, during the journey, they kind of have to change mm -hmm. somehow. Yeah. Whether it's from one book to the next one and then the next one or just throughout the whole thing, yeah. uh, having like dynamic characters is kind of better, at least to me, right. especially if they're part of the main cast of characters. Yeah. Uh, and then I like to try and have an overarching theme mm -hmm. throughout the whole thing. 
So I kind of, part of the reason why I do six or seven edits is to make sure that the theme can kind of be recognized yeah. throughout the story. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I can't really think, I can't really think of anything other than just well, making sure the character. on what you just said, because it's a mm -hmm. really important point. The thing about the theme is that uh, a lot of writers, unfortunately, don't really do too much with theme and they just tell an adventure story, you know, or they just tell some story and it doesn't really have any like gravitas. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like not, uh, what I tell kids this all the time in my classroom, the difference between literature and just entertainment fiction is that literature has something to say about our world and about the human experience that goes deeper than just the plot, you know? Right. It's easy to come up with a plot, um, you know? And what I find out is that I come up with plots, and, and this is funny, because, you know, you'll talk to, and I've talked to some pretty, pretty well-known writers at conventions and stuff, you know, novelists. And these are like, some of my heroes, you know, uh, I got to talk to Robert Asprin before he died um, and talk about a guy that throws theme in his work. Great science fiction writer, probably one of the greatest, Robert Asprin. Um, and he was like, these writers, they just care about something so much that it just comes out in the writing. Mm -hmm. And that theme develops itself. But also, you can be conscious about it. You can be conscious and you can have a soapbox. You can have like something you want to say. And I've said that before in blog posts, like hundreds of blog posts have written is if you, if you have that theme and you know this because you just hit it right on the head. If you have that theme in mind and you can keep that thread going all through that story, that's a real craft to learn to do. It's hard to do that. Yeah. It's not easy. Um, and that, which makes me want to pick up your book even more <laughs> because, I, because it's really rare for, you know, for people like us who, you know, we're just doing this on our own for the joy of it really. And it's like Jack White said, if I don't make a song, I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I, if I don't write that, if I don't write that story, I'm going to go nuts. It's going to keep me up at night and I'm going to have to get up and write this thing down real quick. And my wife's really, really used to me jumping out of bed in the middle of the night and grabbing my notepad and writing something down. You know, yep. cause I'm like, Oh, I got to write this down. I keep it's my phone scary. next to me, uh, in the yeah. bed. I have a little table. Yeah. So it's there. And if I think of something, I just grab it, type something down and go back to sleep all the time. Yep. Dude, I'll be in the middle of class teaching kids and I go, excuse me, kids, just a second. I pull my phone out and I type something on my phone <laughs> and then I go back to what I'm doing and the kids just know. I'm like, what was it, Mr. Colby? Did you come up with an idea? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> oh man, this guy just went through something horrible. <laughs> He's about to, <laughs> it's about to completely change his life. Um, cool, man. This is such a good conversation. Um, so 
what what are your what are the authors that inspire you? Who are some some writers that really inspire you, man? So I wouldn't I wouldn't single it down to just a few authors, really. Um, part of the reason I decided to actually try and publish something that I was writing was because of a few teachers I had. Yeah. And I specifically a few English and art teachers mm-hmm. that were always just kind of pushing me to do something like that. Once they had read the things that I was writing for the classes. Yeah. Um, one thing I had that was kind of like a really good confidence boost for me in my final project for one of my English classes, my teacher had me rewrite one scene of Macbeth. Yeah. And uh, I did it with a police department. And when she gave it back to me, I got an A on it. And she asked me if I wanted to rewrite the whole play for extra credit. Uh, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I had already passed the class. Yeah. I had like a week left of school. I just didn't feel like yeah. doing that. But that Senior was artist, man. Yeah. Just like whatever. That was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> But man, that just warms this teacher's heart that you uh, you think of your teachers that way. You must have had some really good teachers, man. Yeah, and, and there are so many of us out there that we are just trying to reach those kids, you know, in some way. And I've been doing this for twenty-two years, and I have kids that come back to me after years, man. They'll look me up ten years later, and they're like. Mr. Colby, look what I'm doing. And I'm just like, it brings me to tears. I'm like, Oh my God, you did that, you know? And, you know, um, and it's, it's like, it it doesn't necessarily have to be this career thing. And most of the time it's not a career thing. They're, they're doing something else. Like they're doing, I don't know, managing something or they're, you know, working at Tinker, which is an air force base here. Mm or they're doing whatever, but they have like kid got their art in a book (laughs) and they're like, wanting to show me that, you know? And I'm like, yeah, man, look at that. I knew you could do that. (laughs) I knew, I knew I saw that spark. I knew it was there and you just had to blow a little air on it, get it burning, you know? And, um, that's great, man. That's really great. Uh, that's lovely. Um, okay, so do you? I know you get you. You've got like a, I think you took a picture of some stuff. You're going to. Are you going to a convention here soon, or or are you get? Are you going to get your books in front of somebody? Like oh yeah. How, um, do, you, how do you go about doing? You getting your books in front of people. So right now, uh, what I'm doing actually, my bosses at the job I work offered me to do a signing inside the restaurant. Sweet, dude. Yeah. So uh, I've printed out some flyers. I went past them around this morning to a few local businesses. Mm-hmm. There's flyers up in the restaurants in the area, Yeah. in schools in the area. I'm trying really hard to promote that right now. Yeah. Um, other than that, I've done a few small book tours. Mm-hmm. Um, anything really that's within my budget that yeah. I can have someone with a big enough following, look at my book, review it and mm-hmm. just kind of spread it out to people. But uh, I'm trying anything and everything that I can right now. That's you're doing great because uh, I mean, 
the thing that I talk about on this show too is, uh, is that, you know, a lot of times we're doing this because we have passion, but we don't have the, the, the dough to back it up. And yep. that's, that's perfectly fine. You don't need a lot of money. You really don't. Your book. I you was don't. surprised at uh, how cheap it was at first to self-publish it. I thought that was going to be a lot harder yeah. than it actually was. Yeah. And it's, and honestly, with like Amazon, it's even cheaper. It's like nothing. Yep. Like, you, That's know, how you, it can, is. you can, you can go on Amazon and you can go to create space and you can make a print copy and you can have like a, like a Kindle version. And yep. then you, what I love, that's another thing about the Scrivener is that it will create a Mobi file that's already ready for Kindle. And it also makes a, an EPUB file. And there's a, there's a website called PayHip. And for free, you can put your books on there and sell them on there. And PayHip takes like maybe 5% of the sale and you mm. get the rest. And so you can link, like, if you go to my website, you'll see, like, that I have my books, and then I have, like, Kindle, print, and EPUB, right? And mm -hmm. so the Kindle, the, the print one goes to the Create Space page that has the book, the print book on Amazon. And then they only print however many that get ordered. There's no warehousing. Because in the old days, and still today, with these old-fashioned publishers, that's why they don't make any money. Actually, they do. They make a lot of money off of you, and then they give you 2%. Yeah. Um, but what happens is, is they warehouse these books, and then they've got all these books in this warehouse. Well, if they don't sell them, guess who gets to pay for those? The author. <laughs> yeah. it, it's awful, man. It's a, it's a, yeah. In a lot of ways, it's a scam. It has its positives, but it has more negatives than positives anymore. Um, but if you self-publish through Amazon, they only print the ones that are bought. Yep. Somebody buys one, they print one, they send it. One book, they send it. Um, and then Kindle is like, shoot, they just download the thing. You know, and then EPUB is the same. And EPUB works on like those Nooks and like iBooks, you know. Mm -hmm. So I've got it all covered on the website. You just have to go there and when you order the book, it just downloads to whatever. And I'm going to start doing a thing where people do on the website. You can do like a pretty soon. I want to start doing this. Um, Cause I got this idea from Eric Buchanan. It, it's a great, it's great. He's building a, an email list, right? For a hundred dollars a year, <clears throat> a year. You get 500 downloads. He gives away a book, right? So you've got one book in the first book in the series. Every time somebody signs up on this thing, they download it. They send it sends them an ebook of his first book in the series, right, for free. Mm -hmm. And that's what they get in return for giving him his email address. Well, <laughs> he's got this list of emails, and he sends out like a newsletter, like every week or two weeks or something keeps these people in the loop and then when a new book comes out they want it they've read the one and a lot of those people are going to go and buy the new one yep you know so you're pretty much just like guaranteeing sales like down the road but this is all man this guy like had so much great great information I can't, thank you eric buchanan you're great i, I love you man thanks for i did uh information. it was i awesome. do 
I do something similar to mm-hmm. that now. On the yeah. last page of my first book, mm-hmm. uh, I actually promote the upcoming one. Yeah. I have the picture of the cover and the release date. Yeah. So yeah. Whenever they're finished, they know. I've done that before. I've had some success with that one. That's mm-hmm. a pretty good that's a pretty good way to to get that because they read it and they're like, Yeah, it was good. I want to read another one, you know. Yep. Um, and you know, you, you want those reviews. That's the thing you want. You want people to review yeah. it. So you see reviews on there and, um, uh, even the bad ones, you, that's the, that's the problem. Sometimes you get these bad ones and sometimes, sometimes it's a student who doesn't like you, who goes on your <laughs> website and, and bashes a book they've not even yeah. read, which I had to just take that one down. It had to be taken down hurt. because it was like, yeah, was real. um, happens but (laughs) um okay let's see uh so is there like a genre you've always wanted to try like you're like you know it'd be fun to try this genre i'm open to anything really Mm -hmm. um i had a thought once i finished the main series that i'm trying to do i could branch out into other whether it's like thriller or horror or something like that but kind of keep it in the same world that i created for the first series yeah yeah so i've I've thought about that um i have i have maybe five four or five books that i have planned right now that i want to do before i start branching out but yeah it's always a possibility yeah cool man hey um so tell us about the book again one more time and as we as we end the podcast we we plug the book one more time and then tell us what you're doing and all that and then we end the podcast so go ahead and tell us about the book again all right so the book's called emmy it's a young adult fantasy novel about a little girl who drops her teddy bear down his chest and goes in after it and she's transported to this fantasy world where the teddy bear has come to life it's grown four or five times her size and it's protecting her through this world against all these monsters while she's trying to figure out a way to get home. It's the first book in a series that I'm doing over the next couple of years. I'm releasing uh, main books, main entries, and I'm going to do a few free digital short stories along the way just to kind of explore some characters that I can't touch on too much in the yeah. main books. Uh, Cause I really want to try and flesh out everything as well as I can, but yeah. uh, I have a lot of stuff planned for it. I work, I work on my books, even on the days that I work my full-time job. Uh, <laughs> I do too, man. Yeah. <laughs> just to try to get a few hours in each day, but yep, that's it. Awesome. Okay. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, uh, Mr. Primo, 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 Primo. <laughs> such a great name. Golly. Um, I'm going to put a link to your book in the comments. So, um, or in the, in the description mm-hmm. so people can go see, go find it and, and read it. Um, also your Twitter handle as well. I'll put that okay. on there so they can follow you on Twitter and, um, Check out all the stuff you're doing. Um, Until next time, I am Roger Colby. This has been Writing is Hard Work. And don't forget, the only thing that's going to get your book written 
is bum glue and fingers moving.